here's my burden. Here's, here's why we're doing this seminar this week. Um, we're talking about truth this week, uh, and you've heard us talk about this from the stage consistently. Um, and, and one of the most famous sayings that Jesus ever had to say about truth, people who aren't even Christians say this. Um, you can actually finish the phrase for me. Um, Jesus said something to the effect of, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? Now, I absolutely believe Jesus said this. And I believe what Jesus meant by this is, is, is like literally true for us. And yet, what most people don't understand about this statement that Jesus made is that that actually isn't the full statement he made. Let me read for you the full statement Jesus made in John chapter 8. Jesus said this, If you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Like in other words, when most people hear, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, what they understand that to mean is intellectually, once you believe the right things, then you experience freedom. And that is not what Jesus is teaching. Jesus says it starts with you holding to my teaching. Like in other words, it doesn't start with knowledge. It starts with obedience. It starts with you actually doing what Jesus told you to do. And once you do what Jesus told you to do, then you'll know the truth and then it'll set you free. And the reason I'm so passionate about you getting that clearly, that obedience comes first, knowledge comes second, freedom comes third, is because when it comes to the subject we're going to talk about today, there are a lot of people who know a lot of things about forgiveness. But my goal is not just that you would know things about forgiveness. I think the only way you get set free from the wounds of your past is if you actually hold to Jesus' teaching and do it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what I'm passionate about when it comes to forgiveness. Um, I think about forgiveness this way. Um, it was about seven years ago. Uh, actually, I'll take you even back further than seven years. Um, I'll take you back to when I was in college. So this is like 14 years ago. I'm in college. Uh, and I went home uh, for college. And while I was home at college, my mom tells me, I set you up a dentist appointment. Uh, and I was like, okay. And so I went to the dentist and they looked at my teeth. And I don't know what it was, but the guy was like having a bad day or it was the end of the day or he was tired. And somehow it just was the most painful, uncomfortable, disrespectful moment of my life. Like some of you like love the dentist and I'll never understand you. For me, the dentist was like this painful, terrible thing. And so I had that dentist appointment and I left the dentist appointment and I made a vow. And that vow was, I'm never going back. That's not, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with the dental industry, okay? Um, and, and so I decided to walk away, and I just did not set up any other appointments. Well, well, here's what happens. Fast forward a few years. It's seven years ago, okay? It's like 2015. Uh, maybe it's 2014. Uh, and I start feeling some discomfort in my mouth. And what I do is I do what every man usually does. I just kind of ignore it, right? Like, sure, surely this will just go away. Surely this will get better on its own. And it did not get better on its own. And I'm in pain and I'm in pain. And eventually my wise and loving uh, wife confronts me and says, why don't you just go to the dentist? And, and at that point, the pain was so great, I actually agreed to do that. So I went into the dentist uh, and they start to do the examination. And you never like it when a doctor or a dentist is like, ooh, right? Like, and that's what they do. And here's what the net result of this story is. I had to get three root canals that year. Yeah, not just one, not two, three. It was like they were like, wow, we're going to have to space these out. We don't know when we can schedule these. Like, it was brutal. And it was this great reminder, right? Like, like I didn't take care of my teeth. And then I didn't want to deal with the pain that was going on inside of it. So so I just thought, I'll wait it out. And if I wait it out, surely the pain will just kind of go away. And here's what I learned the hard way through three root canals. I learned the hard way this important truth, that time does not heal all wounds. 
That's the first little fill in the blank here. Time does not heal all wounds. See, sometimes you hear that phrase, like time heals all wounds, which really just means if you just live long enough, the stuff that hurts will kind of go away. But I learned the hard way, time does not heal all wounds, and that's true for dentistry. But I also want you to know that is true for the wounds you have received in this life from the people you know and love. Let me just set up this entire seminar this way. Time will not heal the wounds that you were given from your father. Time will not heal the wounds you were given from your mother, from your siblings, from your best friend, from your ex-boyfriend, from your ex-girlfriend, from a teacher, from a coach, from a youth leader, whatever wound that is. And that wound can seem really small or really big. There's no such thing as like competition. There's no like game we're playing here. If you have been wounded in such a way that's stuck inside of your heart and there's like shrapnel in there, time does not heal that wound. See, one of the most foolish things we do as human beings is we get wounded by the people we love, by a dad who was supposed to love and protect us who harmed us, by a mom who was supposed to be there from us and was absent, by a boyfriend who, who broke our heart and betrayed our trust, by a girlfriend who kicked us to the side of the road. Like we receive these wounds and we foolishly and naively believe if I just stuff it down and ignore it, it'll get better over time. And I want you to know that almost never works. I want you to know that time does not heal all wounds. There are certain wounds that can only be healed through forgiveness. I love what Lewis Mead says here, and he writes this book called The Art of Forgiving that I just recommend to you fully. He, he says this, the most creative power given to the human spirit is the power to heal the wounds of a past it cannot change. Like in other words, one of the realizations I need us all to make today is whatever happened to you in the past, like whatever thing went on in the past, there's nothing you can do to change it. But there is something you can do to heal those wounds. And the only tool given to you is this tool God himself made up, and it is the tool of forgiveness. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So what I want to do is I want to walk you just briefly through Colossians chapter 3. You'll see this on your sheet here. Colossians chapter 3, I think, is just such a governing text for me when it comes to forgiveness. It begins this way. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. So I want you to start here because this is where it all begins. If you have been wounded... If you have been betrayed, if your heart has been broken, if you have been shattered in some kind of way, your path to healing has to start with the fact that the God of the universe looks at you and says, you are chosen, you are holy, you are dearly loved. And here's what I want some of you to know. You have been believing a lie your whole life that no one wants you, God doesn't want anything to do with you, and you are unloved. There are some of you in this room, because of the wound you have received from your father, or an ex-boyfriend, or a coach who told you you were no good, or a teacher who told you you were dumb, or a best friend who told you they didn't want anything to do with you, you started to internalize the idea, I'm unwanted, I'm unloved, I'm no good, I'm no good for anything in this world. And here's how the road to healing begins. You need to internalize these three things. I am chosen, I am holy, I am dearly loved. Like the God of the universe didn't just admit you into his family. He picked you. He wanted you. Like you were drawing up teams for like the, the eternal kickball game. And God's like, I want her. I want him. Like I want him on the team. And some of you feel like you're never chosen and never picked. But the God of the universe picked you before you were even born. It says you are holy. Some of you feel disgusting and filthy because of what happened to you. Abuse you've endured or things you've walked through. 
and you feel so gross on the inside. But I want you to know this, that God does not determine his view of you based on how you feel. The most important thing about you is not how you feel. It is what God says about you. Remember, God created you, so God gets to define you. And the God of the universe looks at you and says, you are holy. You are holy, and you are dearly loved. Like the God of the universe doesn't just want to tell you you're loved, you're dearly loved. You're like a great pal. You're a best friend. God doesn't just love you. He likes you. He likes when you talk to him. He likes when you're around. And again, I'm driving this home because I think the path to healing has to begin with this, that you are not the things you were told you were. You are not the labels you have put upon yourself. God created you. He defined you. And because of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, the God of the universe looks at you in the same way he looks at his beloved son, Jesus. Because you are in Christ, you are chosen, you are holy, you are dearly loved. He goes on this way and says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, I got to tell you one of the things I love most about the Bible. One of the things I love most about the Bible is the Bible is actually brutally honest about what the world is like. Like the Bible is not some sort of fairy tale kind of making up like a nice pretend world we all live in. The Bible actually is like brutally honest. And here's where I think it's brutally honest. Notice it doesn't say be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. It gives us a metaphor here. And here's the metaphor it gives us. It says clothe yourself in these things. And I love that metaphor. And the reason I love that metaphor is because there's something that's true for me and it's true for you. It's true for every human being ever. And it's that clothing yourself is not something you do once. It's something you have to do every day. It's not like you got dressed 10 years ago and you're like, I'm set for life, right? That never happens. Like this morning you woke up and you had to pick some clothes. You're like, I'm wearing the same clothes from yesterday. That's a different issue, right? But like, but like you chose to get dressed. You have to put this on every single day. And here's why I think the Bible is so realistic about life. The Bible assumes you're going to interact with difficult people every single day. And so what do I need to do every morning when I wake up? I need to clothe myself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The Bible assumes I'm going to deal with difficult people. Like the Bible assumes there's going to be people who wound me, who hurt me, who bother me, who annoy me, who frustrate me, who I lose patience with. The Bible just assumes that's going to happen. So what do I need to do? I need to clothe myself with these virtues. I need to put that on. What does it mean to put it on? It means that every morning I just wake up and go, Lord, like, help me be compassionate with people today. Help me be kind with my sister today. Help me be humble with my parents today. Help me be gentle with my best friend today. Help me be patient with my boyfriend or girlfriend today. That's what it means to clothe ourselves. And then in, the, in, the, in the verse 13, you'll see these words. It says, bear with each other. Bear with each other. Now, bearing with one another is not a phrase we tend to use, but it's actually a really important phrase here because the assumption here, we're about to get to forgiveness, but the assumption here is that some people are just going to annoy you. There are going to be people in your family, people in your church, people in your cabin this week who just kind of frustrate you. And the idea is you're, just a, you're, you're supposed to put up with it. You're supposed to bear with the fact that sometimes other people can be annoying. And do you know why you bear with the fact that sometimes other people can be annoying? It's because sometimes you are annoying, right? Sometimes you are frustrating. And if you're like, I am never annoying, I'm perfect all the time, you are definitely annoying to someone, right? We're all annoying. Like sometimes my wife annoys me and sometimes I annoy her and that's marriage. Like that one special person you get to annoy for the rest of your life, right? But that's what it is. And what do we do? We bear with one another, which means this, 
Like there are small offenses in life that we don't just like escalate. We just kind of deal with it. We bear with it. We put up with it. So like when your friend doesn't text you back one time, you don't just go like, I'm so devastated. I will work the path of forgiveness to get, you know, like, you know, you're just kind of like, okay, like she's a human. She forgot to text me back. This happens all the time. Or, or like you bump into, like if we're all leaving today and like we bump into each other, it's not like, oh, please forgive me. I'm so, and it's like, like we just bear with the fact that these little tiny things are going to happen throughout the course of the day. Uh, I love this quote. It says, whoever forgives everything forgives nothing. Like, in other words, forgiveness isn't this thing we just dole out to everything. It's actually something we do really specifically towards specific people. Like, like I haven't written this on the sheet, but write this down. We forgive people, not institutions. We do not forgive institutions. You cannot forgive an institution. Do you know that you can't forgive a church? Because a church hasn't hurt you. It was probably two, three, or four people in the church who hurt you. You can't forgive a family in general. You can't forgive a nation or a state or a government. You can't, you can't forgive these big institutions. You forgive individual people. And then another thing you can write down is this. You forgive people for what they do, not for who they are. So listen, it's possible. It's possible that your dad was an angry man. And it's possible that he wounded you in that anger. You do not forgive him for being an angry man. That's who he is. Doesn't mean it's good. It's just who he is. You forgive him for the ways he wounded you. See, again, forgiveness is not just something we apply to anything and everything. It is a very specific tool. Again, here's the quote from Lewis Smedes. Forgiving is a remedy for just one kind of pain. We don't use surgery to get rid of every unsightly growth, and we don't use forgiving to heal every unwanted wound. Like, there are certain things in this world that you just tolerate, you deal with, you push through. If you have this perception in your mind that everyone in the world is supposed to treat you perfectly at all times, man, you have just set yourself up for a life of frustration and anger. Can I go a step further with that? If you're working under the assumption that church people are never going to let you down or hurt you, you haven't read the New Testament. Church folks hurt each other. Youth pastors might hurt you. Your small group leader maybe lets you down. Like, again, sometimes we can, like, put church people up on a pedestal. But, like, here I am, camp speaker guy. I wound people all the time. I, I wound my family. I wound people around me. I hurt people. I'm imperfect. I stumble. I fall. And if you have somehow set up your pastor, your small group leader, or your friends at churches, they have to be perfect. You will never actually live in the freedom Christ has for you. That's why we're told in Colossians 3.13 to bear with one another. We bear with one another on the little things. And then here's what we do with the big things. The back half of verse 13. It says, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Like, listen, one of the things I've always pointed out um, is that the Bible doesn't command things that you already do naturally. I, I want you to know that forgiveness is not the natural impulse of anyone. Like, when someone wounds me, when someone hurts me, when someone has done something to damage me or my family or my ego, my first thing I want to do is rain down fire upon them and destroy them from the face of the earth, right? And that's what you want to do. We all want to do this. Like, I'm not trying to suggest that forgiveness is like the natural thing we all want to do. And yet the Bible assumes we are going to need to forgive people from time to time. And here's really the only options you have. When someone wounds you in a deep way, I'm not talking about frivolous small stuff. I'm talking about the big thing. That you're here probably because someone at some point wounded you along the way. You only have two choices in this world. You don't get ten. You get two. You can choose to forgive or you can live in frustration. Those are your choices. I can choose to forgive, or I can live in frustration. 
And if you're like, I'm not even going to deal with it, I'm just going to push it down, that's frustration. I'm just going to rage against her for the rest of my life and be angry, that's frustration. I'm going to get back at him and make sure he suffers as much as I suffered, that's frustration. So here's the deal. You only get two choices, forgiveness or frustration. That's why Emerson Fostick says this, is that hating people is like burning down your own house to get rid of a rat. Right, right? What happens when we don't forgive is we're just like filled with this kind of rage and the person who suffers most is us. And so here's what I want for you. I want you to go down this path of forgiveness when you've been wounded in a deep way. And I want you to do it, this is so crazy, not for the sake of the other person. I'll say that again. I don't want you to forgive your dad for your dad's sake. I don't want you to forgive your ex-girlfriend for her sake. I want you to forgive that person for your sake. Because the person who benefits most from forgiveness is you. And so what we're talking about today isn't some way of letting someone else off the hook or helping out or just doing a nice good deed for someone else. I'm talking about you and your soul. Because I have watched this, and you have probably watched this too. You ever seen someone who's been wounded and they just won't let go of the wound? And it becomes like their whole life and their whole thing, and it's all they think about and all they talk about, and it consumes their whole life? That could be you. I know people who are wounded when they were teenagers, when they were in high school like you are, and they're in their 50s or 60s, and they still haven't let go of it. It's dominated their entire adult life. And I don't want that for you. I want you to experience the freedom that forgiveness brings. And here's how we do it. Verse 13 it tells us exactly how to forgive. Forgive how? As the Lord forgave you. How do we forgive? We forgive in the same exact way the Lord Jesus forgave us. That is the path to forgiveness. Let me tell you four things about the Lord's forgiveness. Number one, you can fill in the blanks here. The Lord's forgiveness is undeserved. It's undeserved. You didn't deserve the Lord's forgiveness. Jesus did not die on the cross because you were super worthy of him dying on the cross. He died on the cross. It was undeserved. It was not something you earned. It was not something you merited. Jesus comes into the world to rescue sinners who wanted nothing to do with him. It is undeserved. Listen, the Lord's forgiveness is unrequested. And I say this all the time and it bothers people because they go, don't we have to like request and call in the name of the Lord for forgiveness? And the answer is absolutely. But I'd also like to point out that 2,000 years before you were born, Jesus decided to go to the cross. Like he didn't wait for you to be born and sin and call out for him to go accomplish your salvation. He's already done it. Like before you were even born, Jesus extended the offer of forgiveness. And you can reach out your hand and grab it or not, but it is unrequested. Listen, the Lord's forgiveness is uneven. Like in other words, Jesus forgives you and you don't forgive Jesus. Like, do you know that the great message of the gospel is an exchange that happens where you give Jesus your sin and he gives you his perfect righteousness? It's a totally terrible gift exchange, right? You're like, here, uh, here's all of my wickedness and my shame, all of the terrible things about me. And Jesus goes, awesome, give it to me. I'll bear the penalty. Instead, here's my perfect righteousness before the Father. But that's the gospel. Like the gospel of forgiveness is that. And then finally, the Lord's forgiveness is unbelievably costly. Unbelievably costly. Like it comes at the cost of the Son of God's life. It's not something that's easy or simple. It's not something that's painless. Like God didn't just snap his fingers and forgive you. It was unbelievably costly. And here's what I want you to know. The forgiveness I am asking you to extend to the person who wounded you is these four things. It's undeserved. Hear me on this. I'm not asking you to forgive your coach or your teacher because they deserve it. They probably don't. None of us deserve forgiveness. When we've wounded someone, no, 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 no one deserves it. 
I'm not asking you to forgive deserving people. It's unrequested. Listen, I think you can and should forgive people who never ask for forgiveness. Like, I've got little kids right now, and we do this little thing where, like, one of them, like, wrongs the other, like, steals a toy, and we make them go through this perfunctory thing you all did when you were kids. Say, I'm sorry, and they're like, sorry, right? And then it's like, say, I forgive you, right? And we go through this whole process. We're like, will you please forgive me? And we go through this whole thing. Here's what I want you to know. That is really helpful for little kids to learn this process. It is not something that is required for you to forgive. You should forgive someone, even if they never ask. In fact, you can forgive people who have never even talk to you about the wound they've given you. The Lord's forgiveness is uneven. If you're like, well, I'm not going to forgive them until they do this, and you're kind of stacking it all up, here's what I want you to know. You can stack up your whole life, and all it will do is delay the inevitable of either the frustration or the forgiveness you're going to experience. And then finally, the Lord's forgiveness is unbelievably costly. Like, I just don't want to, like, sell you on something that's not true. This journey I'm asking you to go on is hard. And just say that again in case you've kind of like not really been paying attention to that. I am asking you to do something really hard. When you forgive someone, you go through a kind of pain that is unbelievably costly to you. And yet on the other side of it is a freedom that is 100% and always worth it. So I want to talk about that. If you go to the back page, here's what we'll ask. How do we forgive when the hurt is so deep? How do we forgive when someone did something to us that is so unspeakably painful that we're not even sure how to deal with it? How do we forgive when the hurt is so deep? Let's start this way. I want to start with forgiving is not, okay? Because um, I think it's something we just got to clear out of the way. So let me give you four things forgiving is not. Number one, forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiving is not forgetting. Um, sometimes the way people talk about forgiving is what you're supposed to do is just be like, Whatever, it was a long time ago, it's water under the bridge, it's not even a big deal, I barely even remember it, I was super young, I'm not even going to think about it anymore. I want you to know you can go down that path. <laughs> the stuff it down, pretend it didn't happen, just, just, just like get it out of your mind and try to forget about it. It will never actually bring healing to you. It's like me being like, hey, I've got this tooth pain and it's really aching, but what I'll do is I'll just pop pain pills for the rest of my life rather than actually dealing with it. That's what forgetting is. No, if you have been wounded in some way, you do not forget about it. When you forgive, you forgive and you do not forget. You forgive and remember. Number two, forgiving is not excusing bad behavior. It's not excusing bad behavior. Listen, I am not asking you to say, well, my dad harmed me. My dad abused me, but he had a really tough work life and a really tough childhood. So I guess I understand he was trying his best. That is not forgiveness. If there is an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend who betrayed your trust and harmed you, it will not do for you to say, well, they were trying their best and it was a stressful time of life and I guess I understand why they did it. That is not forgiveness. Listen, I am not asking you to justify anyone's sin. In order to forgive, we actually have to blame the person who harmed us. Can I say that again? And write this down. You must blame the person who harmed you. Forgiveness isn't trying to remove blame from them. It is putting it squarely on their shoulders, saying, this person wounded me. It was sin. It was unacceptable. So many people, and again, I'm just going to go to the far end of this. So many people who get abused in childhood somehow find a way to make the abuse their own fault. And I just got to speak to someone because I don't know who's in this room. It wasn't your fault. You didn't deserve it. Nobody deserves in childhood to be wounded, abused, neglected, or harmed. You didn't deserve it. And the person who harmed you is at fault, not you. Forgiving doesn't excuse the behavior. 
Listen, number three, forgiving is not pretending it didn't hurt you. This is another version of forgetting. Forgiveness is not being like, "Ah, I guess I was being dramatic back then. Okay, it wasn't really that big of a deal. I guess they kind of harmed me, but whatever. I guess I was just having a bad day. And actually, it's kind of better that I'm not with this person. It's kind of better that I've broken off a relationship with them. Forgiving is not pretending that it didn't hurt you. Again, that's just another version of stuffing it down. And here's the most important one that people get wrong all the time. Forgiving is not the same as reconciliation. Forgiving is not the same as reconciliation. I'll give you an example that, that applies to um, presumably no students in this room. Some of us as adults might understand. Yes? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll get, I'll get to that. <laughs> I, like, I like the request for the synonym. I, I will get to that. And I will answer that question if I don't raise your hand again. All right, let me give you a perfect example. And again, I'm presuming this doesn't apply to um, most in this room, but maybe, maybe for some of you, you'll, you'll know what this is like. Um, I want you to imagine there's a marriage, husband and wife, and somewhere along the way, the husband becomes abusive to his spouse, and she starts getting hit and beat up, and it's real, real bad. Um, every instinct of my pastoral life says, listen, I love marriage, and I want to preserve marriage, and yet I need to get this woman to safety. And we do this at our church. Like when women are in a place where they're being abused and harmed, we get them to safety and we put them into counseling and we put, if we need to, like protective law enforcement around them, we try to really work through this process. And then at some point in the process with this estranged husband and wife, the question of forgiveness comes up. And immediately there's this tension Because the woman will say something to the effect of, if I need to forgive him, does that mean I have to go back into that abusive environment? If I'm going to forgive him, does that mean I have to go back and get together with him? Do I have to reconcile? That's what it is. To reconcile is to come back together with someone else. That I have to get back into relationship with that person. And I always just want to say this as clearly as I can. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Forgiveness takes one person. And that is the person who has been wounded. Reconciliation always takes two people. So here's the question I'm always asked. This person wounded me. Do I have to go back into relationship with them if I forgive them? And the answer is maybe. Sometimes yes. Sometimes no. But forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Forgiveness is something that happens inside of my heart to heal the wounds and release me from the bondage of the past. Reconciliation is what happens. So let me give you this circumstance, and this has happened with us before. Abusive spouse, abusive husband, woman gets away. She goes through the process of forgiveness. He goes through the process of repentance, of owning his sin, of dealing with that. And then sometimes we see reconciliation happen in that. But that only happened because he dealt with his stuff too. So again, forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. And I need to make that clear. If someone's wounded you, you can forgive them. And get this, never speak to them again in your life. There's times people go through the process of forgiveness and they never get back into the marriage that wounded them so deeply. And I want us to understand that this isn't meaning like they only kind of forgave. Forgiveness happens alone in my heart. Reconciliation is up to another person if they want to play that game. Let me give you the four steps of forgiveness. I want to get really practical here. Um, When I say four steps, it can kind of sound like it's a formula, and it's not. Um, It's a path, and it's like a muddy, dusty path uphill both ways. It's a mess. It's not clean. It's not simple. And if anyone ever tells you they have simple steps to forgiveness, just run away, okay? Um, It's not simple. It's not easy. But it's always going to include these four things. Number one, recognize the depth of your wounds from the person who hurt you. Recognize it. Own it. Blame them. 
This person harmed me. This person betrayed me. She abused me. He neglected me. They did this. It wounded me. She said this out loud and it cut me to my core. That person bailed on me and that bailing on me created such pain inside of me that I couldn't even function for a week. You recognize the depth of your wounds. Again, it has to start with where you've been wounded. Not pretending you're good and it's no big deal. It has to start from a place of brokenness. Because all true healing starts from a place of brokenness, right? Like if you're the type of person who gets sick and you're like, I'm not sick, I'm fine, right? And you're like coughing up a lung and you're sick and you're like laying on your bed not doing well. Where does healing begin? It, it begins when you finally confess, I'm sick and I need medicine or a doctor or both, right? That's where it begins. You recognize the depth of your wounds. Here's the number two thing. You rediscover the humanity of the person who hurts you. You know, I said earlier, that forgiveness is not about excusing what someone else did. And it's never going to be that. You blame them. They sinned against you, and they need to repent before a holy God for their sin. And yet we also want to recognize this, that the person who hurts you is a human being. And the way you recognize they're a human being is you look into your own soul. Some of you have gone through such traumatic, hard, and difficult things that the idea that you would ever be capable of what someone did to you is shocking. But some of you have gone through enough self-examination to understand that you are actually just as capable of hurting someone else as someone else did to you. And when I recognize that I am capable of hurting people, just like the people who hurt me are capable of hurting me, I rediscover the humanity within the other person. And here's what I see. I don't look at my father, and this isn't a personal story, I'm just filling this in for you all, but I don't look at my father as the man who abused me. Like, I don't just say that's who he is. That's the entirety of my father. I look at him and I say, he is a man who is struggling with the curse of sin. And what he did to me was unacceptable. It was sin. It was not okay. I did not deserve it. But that is not the totality of my father. Nor is it the totality of your coach or your former pastor or your teacher or your ex-girlfriend or your ex-boyfriend. You don't look at them as, that's the person who hurt me. You go, that's a human being created in the image of God stained with the curse of sin, struggling through this world. And yes, they hurt me, but they're also a human being for whom Christ died for. You rediscover the humanity of the person who hurt you and stop looking at them as a caricature of someone who hurt you. Number three, we relinquish the right to get revenge on the person who hurt you. I think this is the hardest of the three steps. Because <laughs> like I said, when someone hurts me, I just want to rain fire on them. I want them to suffer just as much as I did. But to forgive is to actually let go of that right to get even. And it's not because they don't deserve someone getting even. You know what the Bible says? That there will come a day where every single human being will stand before God in judgment. And that human being will either suffer for their sins or they will point to Jesus who suffered on their behalf. And so when I say re relinquish your right to get revenge on the person who hurt you, I'm saying you leave justice to God's hands, not your own. Because there will come a day where God will bring justice to this earth. It is not your job. And every time I say, I want to bring justice to that person, what I am very subtly saying is, I want to be God. God's not good enough for this. And I must let go of that. We relinquish the right to get revenge. And then number four, we revise our feelings toward the person who hurts you. Do you know when you realize that you've actually forgiven someone? There's not like a day. You don't get like a letter in the mail. Like, congrats, you've forgiven. You know, like that doesn't happen. You know how it happens? It happens when you think of that ex-girlfriend, the ex-boyfriend, and you don't think of them and like want to spit and get mad and angry and are just filled with rage. You just think of them and you go, yeah, I hope they're doing well. 
Like, I've got people who wounded me in my life. I've got ex-girlfriends who have wounded me in my life. And I don't sit around thinking about them. I'm like, I hope they're suffering today. You know, like, like, like the reason I know I've gone through the path of forgiveness is I just go like, man, I hope they're well. Like, I know at least one of them is married. Like, I hope she's doing well. Her kids are doing well. Like, I just hope they're doing well. Like, there's not like this rage inside of me. And what that says isn't that they didn't wound me. What that says is I've gone through this path of forgiveness. We revise our feelings. We actually catch ourselves and go, actually, I don't hope they're suffering. I don't hope they get in a car wreck today. I don't hope some terrible thing befalls them. I don't hope they have no cell phone service, right? Like, I don't hope that. Like, I just hope they're doing well, and that's the revision. And this is the path we go on. Um, again, we'll get to Q&A in a second, so if you have questions, write these down. But let me give you seven final thoughts um, just here on this sheet, and you don't have to fill in. I'll just kind of read them as we go. Number one, I've said this before, but we do forgiving alone inside of our own hearts and minds. What happens to the people we forgive depends on them. Um, here's something crazy. You, you don't even have to tell people you've forgiven them. I have forgiven people who have wounded me and just decided, you know what, to actually like call them up and say, hey, I've forgiven you would be more complicated than it needs to be. You don't even have to tell them. Like it happens alone. They don't have to ask for it. They don't have to request it. They don't have to deserve it. You can just choose to go on this path of forgiving these people who have wounded you. And what happens to them depends on them. And if someone comes back to you someday and says, you know, I wounded you really deeply and I just want to apologize and own that, then you can begin to consider reconciliation and whether that's a thing for you. But it happens inside of your own heart and mind. Number two, we forgive people only for what they do, never for who they are. We brought this up earlier. Forgiveness happens for acts. Like, like it's in the same way that like, like healing from wounds happens because like you fell off your skateboard and slashed open your arm. You heal from that. You don't heal from skateboard accidents, right? You heal from a very specific thing that happened to your body. And that's in the same way with forgiveness. Number three, we cannot forgive a wrong unless we first blame the person who wronged us. So again, some of this is just summary, but this is just, you got to blame them. You got to say it was their fault. They did this. I was not at fault. Now, it's possible you were in a relationship where both of you were at fault, and you can own that as well, okay? So I'm not trying to just push all blame off of you. But if you were wounded in some way, you need to blame them before you can forgive. Number four, forgiveness is a journey. The deeper the wound, the longer the journey. Um, some of you, I don't even want to give examples because I'm afraid. I, I just think some of you have gone through trauma and abuse that is actually criminal and needs to be reported to the police. And if that's you, I just think this is going to be a long journey for you. I don't want to pretend you can do that this week. But by the end of the week, forgive them. By the end of next month, it might be years of you going on this journey. For others of you, and again, I know this can be traumatic and hard, but it's like someone broke your heart and they broke up with you and it felt kind of icky and you felt kind of like, just not just sad, but like discouraged and bummed out. And like, yeah, that's probably going to be a shorter journey. And yet it's still going to take time. So whatever the wound was for you, the deeper the wound, the longer the journey. Number five, forgiving does not require us to reunite with the person who broke our trust. Again, I've said this before, I'll say it again. You do not have to get back together in a relationship. You don't have to go back under that person's care. If it was a parent who hurt you and you're still living under their roof, yeah, you got to stay under their roof. you got to stay under their authority uh, if that's the right thing. And again, there's a lot of complications to that. Uh, but you do not have to step into relationships with people who have wounded you. You can choose, hey, here's what that relational boundary is going to be for me. Number six, waiting for someone to repent before we forgive is to surrender our future to the person who wronged us. If you sit around saying, I'll only forgive them once they come back crawling to me, apologizing for what they've done, you can do that and you will spend decades of your life miserable. You will. And what I'm asking you to do is say, I'm not just going to surrender my future to that person who hurt me. I'm actually going to deal with this proactively and heal from this wound. And then finally, number seven, when we forgive, we walk in stride with a forgiving God. We are never more like God than when we are forgiving. 
because that is what God delights in doing. It is what he does to us. We forgive, not because they earned it, not because they deserved it, but because in forgiving, the beauty of the gospel comes to the forefront. See, listen to me. What I'm asking you to do here in this path to forgiveness is hard. But here's the trouble. Sometimes people think they have an easy choice and a hard choice. If someone has wounded you, you only have hard choices. And here's your two hard choices. Hard choice number one is don't forgive them. Be bitter, be twisted up, be mad. For the rest of your life, just kind of have this bitterness in the pit of your stomach. That's a hard choice and sounds like a pretty miserable life. Option number two is that you choose to forgive. You go down the path of forgiveness. You work everything we've been talking about here. And it is hard, but one leads to frustration and the other leads to the freedom that Jesus said, if you are my disciples, you'll do what I say and then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let me do this. Um, let me pray. I know I've said a lot. I know maybe some emotion's been stirred up. I'm going to pray, uh, and then um, we'll do our Q&A time. Uh, and it's about 4.40 right now, so we'll be up to about 20 minutes of Q&A. Uh, and if we wrap it up, we'll wrap it up, and, but we'll be done by 5 for sure. So let's, let's pray. Uh, Father, I want to pause and pray for everyone in this room, and I don't know why they're here today. God, I assume some people just were interested in the topic, but I assume many have a trauma, a wound, a hardship, something in their past they don't like to talk about. I just assume for so many in this room there's a wound that maybe they haven't even realized is a wound, but it's like stirring up inside of them and causing them all kinds of pain. And Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that they would be able to walk the path of forgiveness. Whether that takes two weeks or two years or two decades, God, help them to find forgiveness for the person who's wounded them and help them walk in the freedom that that forgiveness brings. God, I just pray against the lies of the enemy that are whispering into ears even as I pray. I pray against anyone who doesn't believe they are chosen, holy, and dearly loved. I pray against anyone who thinks it's their fault. I pray against anyone who thinks they could never forgive. God, I just pray your demons and your Satan and his demons would have no place in here, but that your angels would minister truth to us and that we would, by the power of your spirit and the truth of your word, stand upon the rock and that we would know that you have given us the power to forgive. So I pray this, God, for each and every person in this room. In Christ's name, amen.